Welcome listeners to Creators and COVID, a podcast where I talk to creatives about their experiences coping with the coronavirus pandemic. Whether you started a new business and made something incredible or barely managed to survive with your sanity, we want to normalize those stories and create an archive so that the future can look back at our experiences and learn about the many forms coping and surviving take on in a global crisis. For some of us, when the lockdown hit, it seemed like the ideal situation. You get to be at home, you get to be with your family, we get to work in a field where, you know, it's, it's, it's already flexible, but I get to be around my family. I get to have everybody close. It seemed like a boom until reality quickly struck. The things were not normal that other people's, the, the realities of others were going to become, <laughs> were going to be thrown at me and to become my problem. And that, the people around me were struggling with struggling with this disease in ways that I could not fix, control, or find a solution for. My ideal situation quickly became the most stressful time of my life, compounded by my neurodivergence. I have ADHD. And the fact that I was turning 40. Episode 9 in Creators and COVID is going to be learning to fail. So this is episode nine, and it's me, Jonita Davis, talking about my creators and COVID story. Um, as all of you, as some of you may know by now, um, for all of you that I am a writer or film critic um, and uh, English professor, adjunct, when the lockdowns happened um, in March of 2020, I was teaching it, you know, um, English classes at Wabonzi Community College. And like it, it was the middle of the semester. As a matter of fact, things got really bad during spring break of that year. So, what I guess is where, you know, I'm going to start the story at. Uh, I, I do think I need to do a little background. Um, right now. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to do a little rewind so you guys can get an idea of where I'm coming from. So I am first generation college student, first generation writer. Um, but I come from a long line of storytellers. So I guess that's where I get my story nerdiness from. But no one else in my family has ever done teaching in a university capacity um, or writing in this capacity and then film criticism i mean the fact that you could like get anywhere doing anything uh, uh talking about film and tv that's nobody thought that would be anything so basically i'm going about this whole career from the seat of my pants from the start um so this i think this kind of gives you an idea of <laughs> my struggle a little bit graduated college for, for, with my bachelor's degree in 20, 2008, but it was around, you know, 2006 that I started writing for the Purdue Un University um, campus newspaper, writing about potholes and, you know, 
Black History Month because, you know, I was the Black person, of course. Just things of that nature, events that happen around campus. And because I had four kids, I usually got the events that, ha- that included kids. It was around probably 2000. It was around 2008. It was actually my last semester of college. I ran, I had reached the end limits of my financial aid. So I had to pay for that last semester myself. It was going to be a couple grand that I did not have. Um, my husband and I, we were not wealthy. We're not wealthy people at all, at all. And so, and, and you know, with four kids um, at that time, I had a three-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Every, anything we had, it just it went to them. So I had to figure out a way to make some money uh, outside of what I was making at the paper. And the paper was just like $20 a store. It was not much at all. So I heard that people were getting paid to write online called freelance writing. And I heard that this was something that happened and you didn't have to have a journalism degree to do it. Like I always thought, I always thought you had to go to journalism school and to be, you know, to write for the New York times and all that. Well, there, there was that, but then the internet has had created this huge industry where people needed content for the website. Everything that you see written on a page for a website was written by human a writer, a freelance writer. And and I wanted into that. And so I saw on Good Morning, it was Good Morning America on ABC. There's like a job section where they talk about the, they were talking about the, the latest, you know, high tech jobs and freelance writer was one of them. And she, but they never said where I could go to start. So it took me a couple months of sitting down on my computer for a set amount of time. Basically, I sat there until the kids started screaming for for food or, you know, just joking. But um, until it was time for, you know, like dinner or for me to go to class or something, I, what little time, what time I could find, um, I sat there on the internet searching for how to become a freelance writer. And I found it. My first gig was, I was getting paid $3 an article to um, populate a website about interior design. And then my second real gig that paid anything better was for move.com, writing about apartments, writing about moving, writing about all that stuff. So that that kicked off a career in in like freelance writing for me, but I was still low paid. Still needed something to get that semester paid for. And I found that I I knew I knew at the beginning of the year back in August of 20, uh, 20, 2007 that I was gonna have to pay for my spring semester. So this I my search really started in the fall of 2007. Um I searched everywhere. I, I was doing those type of gigs around the winter-ish, and then it I, I just wasn't making enough to cover that that bill. So there was a job that got posted. Um, it was local. This the local marina here, owned by the state of Indiana, Indiana where I live. Um, it was turning fifty years old pretty soon. Um, going into their fiftieth year in two. 2009, they needed someone to go through this closet that they had and go through all their documents and figure out what went where. Um, And they also needed somebody to kind of compile all that research into a document. Well, we did the, you know, we did the interviews and I got the job of compiling all the information into the document. Somebody else got the job of cleaning out the closet. Thank God. Um, So for eight bucks an hour for two years, I went through all their documents everything they had at the local newspaper, everything they had at city hall. And I compiled the history of this Marina. I gave them this beautiful document. It was beautiful. But then they were like, okay, 
And they were going to throw that back in the closet with everything else. Y'all, that hurt my feelings. It really, really did hurt my feelings. So what I what I did was I, I said, okay, I needed to do something. And I went to what's now called History Press. They were called Arcadia Press. And I gave them, sent them my manuscript and told them what I had. And, and they made local history books, volumes. And they told me, hey, we can turn this into a book, but you got to get us some pictures. And, and, and so anyway... Long story short, that was my first book, my first paying job that helped pay for my last semester school. Um, and I was on my way. I was a freelance content writer doing the struggle. I had con clients. At one point, I had bulk content jobs like um, the website ePersonal Finance. When that site first came out, my team populated the entire site with um, with articles about you know personal finance. Well, my team was one of um, I think two or three. I think it was two or three that populated that entire site. It was it was it was a bunch. It was I think we had like five hundred articles, and then there was they had they each had you know probably the same amount. So because when the site went live, they wanted it to be <clears throat> like a, a database. Anyway, roll that forward <laughs> to COVID. I am not only a freelance writer, I'm I'm not doing content anymore. I'm still freelance writing, but I'm freelance writing for publications now. And I'm doing personal essay writing. I'm doing journalism work. I'm doing entertainment journalism, interviewing people associated with films and TV, celebrities, you know, actors, directors, the creative team, and putting that together into articles. And my specialty is, you know, kind of combining culture social justice and entertainment together to make some, you know, to, to show how these, this, uh, these works that are being created today are kind of making a statement, making a point, pointing out some things that we should know about our society, basically. It's, and I, lo- I love the work and I'm an adjunct professor because, you know, I, I like, I love teaching. I, I ended up getting my master's degree, graduating with that in 2015, went back to college in uh, 2013 for that using that degree to kind of teach at universities and, and things. I thought, I've always thought that I could excel, right? So we're, we're at March, we're at the the March, I'm at March spring break. Um, I had been told that we were going to be going for a lockdown. We were probably going to be going teaching online. I'd always thought I could excel here. I thought this would be my sweet spot. If I could just have a point where, um, where, hang on, just, I gotta pause for a second. By the time the lockdown happened as well, I also had two more kids. Uh, remember the kids I had? Remember back in 2008 ish, 2009, uh, 2009, all that? Well, um, my three year old was now 17. <laughs> and, you know, my 10 year old was now 24. So I I had adult kids and I had the two younger ones who were at the time six and four running around. I was 39 going into 40, turned 40 actually during the lockdown during that period. But I was 39, not 29, you know, so there's a big difference that I that I had not anticipated when I said, oh, we do virtual. I can rock this. <laughs> no. Joe could not rock this. So I'm telling telling you this to, to let you to kind of set up what what we're about to hear what's about to happening because oh and on top of all this in the 10 years since getting out of well it was, it was 11 years since between lockdown and graduating with my bachelor's degree I had been diagnosed with ADHD did not know I had it all my life struggled hard with it 
and and even with you know that's one of the reasons why freelance writing was always my sweet spot because it was something I could always do whenever my brain could operate doing it and I could move it around with the kids I always thought that it was just flexible for me and my family not realizing it was flexible for my the way my brain was wired boy did I find that out this lockdown basically is when I found out a lot about not just myself and the way I work but the way my brain works um, in addition to go, I mean, that's like it on top of all the stuff that is going on worldwide, you know, so lockdowns happened. And, and this thing about this virus is freaking everybody out. It's scary as hell. I live in Indiana where people were, there was no one was listening to the World Health Organization or the doctors. They were listening to Fox News. They were listening to Rush Limbaugh. They were listening to any to TikTok and to anybody who else who did not have a doctor in front of their name. And I'm sitting here. I because of some of my my connections, I ended up getting um, a seat, a virtual seat at these World Health Organization um, updates you know, when they were doing these briefings, all every, so every other day, I mean, I'm sitting in a briefing where they're talking about this, this pandemic and, and what's happening as it goes along. And, and then I'm getting off the offline and I'm listening to what my family's heard. And I'm listening to, I'm and I'm going, connecting with people on social media and listening to them and then listening to my students. And it's a bunch of nonsense. It, it, and that was stressful enough, but this girl, thought <laughs> that's me thought that oh but i could still take on my regular freelance workload um mind you george floyd was the, the george floyd protests were happening the black lives matter for protests were happening george floyd um was murdered on video the world saw it everybody the, the white people everywhere now could not run away from the fact that black people brown people were being murdered by the police you can't you, you it was right there in video in front of your face, you were locked down. So you couldn't run away from it. It was on all socials. There's no way to get away. And so me living in my predominantly, you know, Indiana's very red state. And and I went to grad school and, and my college with uh, predominantly white uh, people. My area, the town I live in is like, I think it's, it's, 27 percent black 20 something percent black um and then it has a lot of other ethnic groups so we're it, it's it you know it, it's still you know about half white people so all these people figuring this out and then figuring out oh we've been complete a-holes to the girl to the woman we know who writes about social justice and has been doing it for all these years <sighs> that's a whole nother podcast y'all talking about the 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 dms from people the yeah we'll get into that later but that was another headache and, and some stress i i did have some white friends who you know had had been uh who knew what was going on um and who were kind of like this is this is weird as hell all all of you know the white people doing this and I'm, i had to remind them you are white people too but it's like i'm like no we're not this white um but that that i don't think they they realized the stress that added to us already the black black creators you know when them are unburdening, unburdening themselves to us while we already have all of this stuff going on, it was not, it was not, it was not cool. It was, it was a very disrespectful, actually. I'll put that out there. It was very fucking disrespectful because I had to deal with your bullshit now on top of my students who most of their problems I can't do anything about on top of my own kids. My husband was, um, he's a truck driver. So he was deemed an essential worker. Um, he, he, the biggest account for his company was Target. So we saw him for 36 hours a week. Um, <laughs> so it was just me here. 
I had to deal with all that. I had to deal with my freelance work, um, which I was, I, I, I ended up, those were too many balls to juggle, but I had ended up dropping some. So it's like, I'm juggling family. I'm juggling freelance work. I'm juggling being a teacher. I'm juggling, uh, uh, you know, with my classes and I'm juggling with my site, the black Cape, the black Cape is where I write reviews and, you know, throw up interviews. I do, you know, of, of all the the creators and, and actors and things that I, that I do. I have my YouTube channel that I was trying to grow where those videos of those go. I have that, that was a ball that was in the air. My freelance work also supplemented my income um, because y'all know um, you're running we, we I have a total of six kids. Even the, the adult ones still need it, still needs us help from us sometimes. And we we all help each other, but that still needs two incomes, you know, mine and my husband's. So I still needed that freelance, you know, that 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 freelance bag. Um, but juggling all that, and then imagine juggling all that, and then having just about every white person in my life who has ever poo-pooed or you know and I you know who said oh you know that silly social justice stuff called me a social justice warrior or who just really just had no time for for me shooting at me their um outrage their disbelief their you know I didn't know their their emotion that they're having like targeting me with it along with other people but but it's coming for me while I'm juggling and I I'm on this unicycle so I'm juggling all this, but I'm I'm sitting, trying to move forward while sitting on this unicycle called the lockdown. So that means I've got one wheel, one tire that I'm able to go forward with on a tightrope called ADHD and turning 40. I'll let you sit with that imagery for a second. The ADHD and turning 40 ended up being uh, a time bomb that I, uh, more of a time bomb type of situation. While juggling all of that, all the feelings I was having, I, I failed to realize that attention deficit hyper hyper hyperactivity disorder as you age it it worsens and it changes it changes as you age because you know after as you hit 40 um and and go over sometimes it starts mid 40 sometimes a little bit sooner but you know in women the hormones start to you know hormones hormone hormones the estrogen starts to just start seeping down just little by little by little by little our brains though our chemical makeup is already you know, off kilter because of the ADHD, that the this the drops, even small drops in estrogen, it causes our symptoms to go out of whack. So the symptoms are time blindness, which to me, if you uh, time blindness, think of somebody who has no depth perception, someone who, who you throw a ball at them, they can't gauge how fast the ball is coming at them or where. And so they're always getting hit in the face. Everybody, you know, that person, the person the person you grew up with um, having, uh, and, and you, they say that this person had no hand-eye coordination, that person. That's, that's for me, that's time. Half hour, hour, same difference. Um, two days ago, a week ago, same difference. I, it's, it's... Creators in COVID is brought to you by Vero. Vero is a social network designed for connection, not engagement. I love it because it's a place for creators to be free from the algorithm and where episodes of this podcast will drop first 24 hours before anywhere else with a conversation about the episode to follow. That's right. Come to Vero and you get to have a conversation with me, Jenny Davis, and all of my friends and fans over there 24 hours before the rest of the world gets to see it. Download Vero for free from the App Store or Google Play and follow me, Jenny Davis, and share your thoughts and stories. And now on to the show. COVID 
was my menopause because I'm remember I'm juggling all of this. I've got all this stress. I've got two hours of the most depressing shit to listen to. And I have to, and I'm being told by my university, I have to teach these kids how to write while they're going through the worst days of their lives. I have my kids. I have my adult kids. I have who I really, I really owe my, my adult, the, my two college ones, a, a, a sincere apology after thinking about this, because I mean, they were like talking about hostage situations and things like that. Um, they ended up leaving after the lockdown went back up, went away. Um, but yeah, they still kind of joke about it. I have that going on. I have, and my husband was gone. I was worried about him. If he catches, if he catches it, what is he going to do? Because he has this truck and you know, he's no one there. What if he's out? And and then my family, we lost in the, in the town. My family comes from a small town in, in Arkansas, probably a couple hundred people there. I'm related to like every person in that town, basically. Um, it's so small. My great grandmother had eight kids, I think. I think she had eight. Um, I have to count. Um, but I, I, all of her kids had kids and, and they had kids and it just huge and they like all populated. So I'm related to everybody in that town. And in, in that town, in that area, I think my dad and I talked and it was like 20 some odd people we lost. My friends were losing people. I journalist friends. Um, you guys heard Liv. Aisha, you heard her. These are there. Liv and Aisha are previous episodes of the podcast. Um, Aisha was going through with her family. Her dad was in there. Um, there was weird things going on too. And I'm going to put this here because I, I don't know. I have no other information, but I hope somebody else does. But my students and some of my friends who were going into places like Mercy Hospital were reporting that they were given like pills that were, that were, that were said to treat or cure COVID. And I'm telling them there's nothing like that that exists and don't take them. I'm trying to get people to get pictures of them, but they, they're, they're being forced to take this medication before they leave the hospital. And it was the oddest thing. Or they're given injections of things that they're not told what the names of it are is. They just said it's to treat COVID. Now, anytime they give you something in the hospital, they tell you what the name of it is. This is and and this is adding to the stress of everything going on. I was able to finish the semester. I was uh, and get grades from, out for my students. I got some freelance work in. I did work for this PR firm where it's ghostwriting. Um, with, I, I was what they call editorial support. <laughs> um, ghostwriting. I helped them write a lot of their, for a lot of their clients who wanted to put out statements about um, being there for the Black community. Um, a lot of statements on George Floyd. A lot of correcting the, the, um, the, the narrative on COVID, this PR firm, a lot of their company, a lot of the companies they work for, they wanted to do this. And so I helped them with that. I was still interviewing people. I was still putting up content. I was still doing um, lots of work, but I was dropping. I'm like, my deadlines, I would shoot right through them um, because I, okay, I have this thing that's due in two weeks, but I've got all this thing going, all this stuff going to where it's two weeks flashes by in a second and I, I've not got anything and it got to where probably, you know, I started, I just kind of got upset with myself and down with myself. And there was, there was some serious depression, um, the summer of, uh, 2020 and going into the fall. Um, I took up another class 
um, still tried to take some freelance gigs. And I just ended up probably midway through that semester throwing up my hands and saying, I can't do it. I, I was seeing my therapist every three months. She, she backed that up to every every month and then more frequent. And then um, I started seeing my a psychologist as well, talking to him uh, virtually. Um, he's a guy who helped me work through some of my, my postpartum depression with my, um, uh, my, my last two pregnancies. Um, and he was also the one who helped diagnose me with ADHD. So I started seeing him again and talking to him about everything. And finally, he said something that kind of hit. Um, I told him that I, I'm not making any money because I can't, I, I can't get my work done. I can't get my work done because I've got, I'm, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about, you know, um, my students again in fall is again, support group. There's not, we, you can't teach when people are going through this type of stuff, even though it's virtual, you can't teach. And then I also had, um, I, I had my, my two oldest were, were at home, but I, I mean, I had one in Texas and one in one, uh, four hours away from me. I was more worried about them then and there. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was something else. And so I, I had this moment where I, I, I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't work. I was not making any money. I was getting money from my adjunct job, but I was barely doing the work. Um, the students did learn how to, to write an essay. They did learn some basic English stuff. They didn't learn much more than that. And I'm, I'm so, I was working for Aurora University at that point. Guys did what I could. Um, I just really, re- I wanted to write more things. I wanted to say more things, but um, there was also this thing happening where a lot of the editors, um, the work they wanted, they wanted to know how I felt about George Floyd. They wanted me to compare my 17-year-old going into his senior year. Um, it, it, my 17-year-old turned 18, actually, during that time. And he was going into his senior year. They wanted me to talk about that. You know, They wanted me to talk about being in Indiana and having a Black son and, and just cutting open a wound, you know? over and over and over again, all of them. That, I mean, that, that's the only thing people really wanted to talk about is me and my kids and what, and, and, and it was, it was just tough. So I ended up um, telling one of my, uh, telling a couple of my editors, um, two of them were black women, love them to death. Um, shout, uh, actually more than two of them. Shout out to Zenobia, Lurnette and um, Leslie, love you all. And Lottie and put her in there too. You guys were lifesavers for me because I, I had, I, they gave me time. They checked in on me and they were like, okay, well, this is, or they would tell me, okay, we need this for this. So maybe we can help out by doing, and they, they you know, or they would give me an evergreen assignment or, you know, an assignment with a, with a deadline that's way off or, and, and, you know, and, or an open-ended one that I can do. And if I find out I can't do it, it was okay. Um, but I, I, that, the disappointment, the failure, the failure writers, when you don't meet a deadline, when you can't, don't, can you, when you can't create anything to turn in the failure. So, um, yeah, but my, my, and, and my psychologist told me something that stuck with me. He said, and this is not word for word. Cause I can remember what he said, word for word. Um, another thing with ADHD, your memory, sh- memory shot after 40, it dies. That's why people, a lot of people think they have dementia and they go in, in their mid forties and through sixties thinking that, oh my gosh, I've got dementia. No, you have adult ADHD. You, you were never diagnosed. Your memory gets worse as you get older. Um, so I don't remember what he said. Um, and and the, the stress, the stress makes the memory so much worse, so much worse. Y'all don't know how many times that I would get gas, pay for it and drive off from the pump during the lockdown. I'll let you guess how many times it happened. 
<laughs> put it in the comments. But um, yeah, he said, if you were functioning at normal capacity at this time, I would think something was wrong with you. And I said, what? What do you mean? I'm trying the normal is, I mean, normal, my normal is what I'm trying to get to. Why is this, that something you don't want me to get to? He said, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. If you were functioning at that capacity as if nothing was happening, I would think something was wrong with you. Because that means that you're not feeling any, he said, anything that's going on. This is a world once in a lifetime event that hasn't happened um, in a hundred years. That's going to have to impact you. It, 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 we're human. It, it's going to impact you. You have all of your children in the house and no one gets to leave. That's going to impact. I had two grandsons. I had, well, I had my second grandson born during this time too. And, you know, we had to figure out how to make a pod to where, because my daughter, we, she needed someone, she needed that family interaction, you know, growing up with a huge family, you need to have people around you. We had to make, we had to figure out how to make a pod where she could come to us and be around us, or we could take the baby sometimes for, you know, so to give her, so she could go shower and do whatever. And, and you know, everybody could be safe and healthy. And that's how, you know, that was so glad when people started talking about pods and, and how to do that, because we had to do that across two cities, you know, 30 mountain, the, the 30 minute drive between the two of us. Yeah. We had to figure that out. Um, and, and, I told him about that. He said, that is, you will never in your life have to do that. And that's something you never have learned to do. Oh, you're doing a lot of things we've never had to do before. And you have ADHD, you're neurodiverse and, and threw it in and it hurt my feelings and he knew it was going to, but he apologized. Um, you're getting older. All of that's coming together and you're not, you, and you're falling apart and falling apart means is a healthy reaction right now. Falling apart is healthy. So I had to sit back and think about that. Falling apart is healthy. Falling apart is what I, falling apart is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So essentially the lockdown, lockdown taught me how to fail and fail, how to let myself fail because I wasn't, I'm not a stranger to failure, <laughs> not by long shot. Um, but I was always one of those, okay, it didn't work. Get back up. Let's do it again. We're going to get it right this time. No, I had to let myself fail and be okay with that failure. Um, I had to let myself fail and, you know, maybe if not only fail, but to let go, I had to stop writing freelance for a long time. I, had, I stopped taking jobs. Um, and so on top of the jobs that I didn't complete, um, I really hadn't written anything for pay much in 2020 at all. And then um, the stuff that I was doing for studios, for festivals, the virtual festivals that were, they, they demanded so much. And I, I, some of them, I didn't hardly get anything out. I had to be okay with that. And so it took a lot. Um, by the end of 2020, I was at this point where I, I was trying so hard. I, the only thing that I could do and talking to him, he said, the only thing you can do is care for yourself and to reflect and to learn and to document. So I started journaling. Um, I started self-caring by making myself a nightly spa bath. My eczema was angry at me about this and thank God for Avino and Cetaphil because um, if it wasn't for those nightly spas with uh, it was during when d nice was doing his um lockdown things and then they were doing the verses during the lock if it wasn't for all that at first during the lockdown i would not i don't think i would have made it through a year because i started it during the, the lockdown just to kind of to, to kind of bring myself back but it became self-care throughout the year and became a ritual for the rest of the year um i started journaling um and i started just you know okay i started explaining to people that things to people I have ADHD um this is what it is and you know 
I'll do my best. And let me tell y'all, it was, it's, it's still hard. I mean, because I'm still, still going through it, still homeschooling kids. I mean, I had now have a kindergartner and, um, my, um, son, my four-year-old is now in kindergarten. She's six now. And the one who was seven, um, he's eight. Um, for those of you doing the math, she turned four later that year, November, and she just had a birthday in November. So, yeah, um, I just, um, I I'm still going through, I'm still working from home. I'm still freelancing from home, but I'm also doing other things like this podcast. I'm, I'm not just writing anymore. Um, I stopped, I stopped, I, I stopped reading. I, and I, and that's something I want to say, because I think a lot of people have said, have, have documented that. Um, so uh, one of the things I, I do a lot of watching videos, I read comics, I read comics more now. Um, and, and I do audio, um, audio books, audio files. Um, so yeah, I just, I really, really, really think that this experience for me, I thought that, you know, I did this when I was 29. This was actually the life I wanted when I was 29 to be able to work at home, to be able to, um, and excuse the kids in the background. Um, but I wanted to work at home, wanted to be around my family and be accessible. But the, uh, the COVID gave me that like over an overload mode. COVID gave me that an overload mode just to show me that, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, but it also accelerated this, uh, aging with ADHD. So I think I kind of got a jump on, um, some of the stuff I'm going to be dealing with, with, um, later on, um, with my, uh, neurodiverse brain function. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I've got coping mechanisms for that. Um, now, um, I also know, I, I also started this thing, putting up boundaries, setting up boundaries, um, and, and not just knowing my limits, but admitting, admitting what my limits are. That was the biggie admitting that I had limitations and acknowledging them and being okay with them and then being okay to fail, being okay with failure, knowing that I am imperfect and I am human. And as my psychologist said, if I was fun- functioning at normal capacity while all of this was going on, there would be something wrong with me. I think he actually said he, he would actually want to see me hospitalized because he said that's not a, a reaction that we need to see. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to, you're supposed to fail. You're supposed to break down when, when bad shit happens, you're supposed to break down. You're not supposed to be able to handle it. You're not supposed to be able to handle it as if nothing's happening. That's not supposed to happen. So anyway, that's my, that's my story. I, and I want people to know, I want people to know this from this, from this entire podcast that we all cope in different ways and we all learn different things from the same experience. But the one thing that we all learn is something has to change. We all are going to come out of this different. We are. And every one of our stories, all nine of these stories that you've heard, all of us have come out of this differently uh, and changed in some way. Um, and so no matter what that change is, it looks like for you, it's good. Don't compare it to anybody else's because it, it's, it's personal for all of us. Um, and my kid, uh, you know, when my youngest Quinn, my kindergartner looks back on this, you know, because I imagine her and I've been, I've asked this question of all of the people, I, of most of the people I've interviewed. I imagine her being in um, high school, college, maybe um, doing research, looking back. I want her to, to see that, you know, 
I wanted to see first what creative people did because our stories are not documented when, when big world events happen. Um, and the, the narrative already, you guys have seen it, has already been taken over by essential workers being doctors, nurses. And I, in episode one, we, we, we already established with Steve Kassan, there's more to essential than the doctors and the nurses and the ambulance drivers. So who else went through and what else did they go through? I want the, I want her to know that. I want her to know that when big things, bad things happen, it is okay to not be okay. You've been listening to the Creators and COVID podcast. Many thanks to Vero for the partnership in this podcast. All nine episodes, all the nine weeks, all the support, questions, the graphics, the the support on other platforms. I greatly appreciate all your effort. To all of you out there listening for joining me every week and spending your time listening to the stories that you've heard. Check out more of my work on theblackcape.com. Check out this podcast on all podcast platforms. Also check out the Vero social app where you can see every episode that has dropped and the conversations that have happened around each. Thank you for joining us. This has been Creators in COVID. Bye now.